Are we on? Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Please be seated. All right. Everybody okay? It was eight degrees this morning. What in the world? Eight degrees. And now it's 36. I figured y'all would be in Bermuda shorts and some uh, slippers by now. All right. From Texas, that's pretty cold, eight degrees. The coldest I've ever been in my life was in Mongolia. I was in a tent in the Gobi Desert, 60 below zero. Wow, what was I thinking? Yeah. That's pretty wild, isn't it? I was in a tent in the Gobi Desert, 60 below zero. Ooh. You might go, well, what were you doing there? Well, I was, I was waiting on the Lord one day, and I go into a trance, and I see the curvature of the earth, and I'm watching like an ocean, and it starts vibrating like that, and the ears of, uh, of the horse came up out of the water, and behind it was thousands and thousands of other horses with little small men on them. They were small horses, and they rode over me like a 3D movie, and went that away. I said, Lord, who in the world was that? He said, that's my army out of Mongolia. Go release them. I, knew, I didn't even know where Mongolia was. I found it between China and Russia. Uh, they flew two planes into Mongolia at that time, one out of Moscow and one out of China. And the one I got in Moscow, uh, it was snowing so hard you couldn't see the other tip of the wing. They couldn't even spell safety check. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, you didn't, there wasn't no place to put your luggage. You just hung it up there and put uh, some fishing net over it. Where, I said, okay, Lord, and I went to sleep. I thought, I'll either make it or I won't, you know. And, uh, so that was a pretty amazing trip. Good gracious, she said, what were you sent over there to do? To curse a principality. That's what I was sent over there to do. It was the craziest thing. When I got there, they had never arrested a single Christian in the history of Mongolia, not a single one. Ulaanbaatar was a murder capital of the world. It had 675,000 people in it, and there were more people killed there a day than anywhere else in the world. Uh, yeah, see, Genghis Khan settled all that. Man, it was a mess, man. <sighs> well, I, I, see, the, a lot of people think Christianity is boring. I'll tell you what's boring is dead church. <laughs> Christianity is exciting, you know, real Christianity. Christianity is something we do, not something we say, isn't it? This thing's ringing a little, but it's all right. Uh, I like that. The Bible said it was never the plan of God, the purpose of God, to establish the kingdom of God with mere talk, but with God-demonstrated deeds. I'll tell you what, you preach a better message with your life than you do your lips. Yeah, yeah. Is that true? Yeah. That's right. Bridget, everything okay? You, you, uh, how's the guy sitting next to you? Is he all right? Uh, good, good. God bless you guys. How's all the kids? Grown? See? Okay, good. I keep them like that. Now they're grown women, you know. I don't know. Time just goes by. Good gracious. We got to learn to redeem the time, hadn't we? Like that haircut. I know one guy, he goes to a hair artist. I told him, good Lord, it looks like it's been cut the weed eater. He said, I paid $50 for that haircut. I said, listen, I can save you some money. I used to shear my dog, you know, so I could. Uh, anyway, I want you all to have a good time. Don't go to church and not have a good time. I found out something. Some people have just enough Jesus to be miserable. They got him in the head, not the heart. All they got is a bunch of rules, regulations, stipulations, and manipulations. They're sick of it. Have you studied the Bible? God don't like religion. Hey! I dare you to go home and read Isaiah chapter 1, come back tomorrow and tell me God likes religion. Here's what he says about it. Away with your new moons and your Sabbaths and your holy convocations. They weary me. He says, I abhor the sizzling of your fat. That's what he says. Now, you say, well, Bobby, God set up all those feasts and those festivals. He did. All the feasts and the festivals to, was to point to relationship. 
with his son. But when you junk the relationship and hang on to the ritual, you got religion and God detests it. Every woe in the Bible out of the lips of Jesus was to the religious Pharisee. Everyone. Those that kept the ritual and denied the relationship. Now listen, uh, I want the relationship, don't you? Oh man, he's a friend that does what? Sticks closer than a brother. Have you ever found a verse that just wrecks you? Philippians uh, 2.13. Philippians 2.13, here's what it says. Philippians 2.13 says it. Why it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What wrecked me there was a little phrase, good pleasure. Think about that. The creature, Bobby, can do something bring the creator God good pleasure. Why it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There could be nothing more important than us bringing Father God good pleasure on this earth. Do you? I don't think there could be anything more noble. That, That ought to be our most noble quest is to bring Father God good pleasure. So I started scouring the Bible. (laughs) What does the Bible teach about us in bringing God good pleasure? I stumbled across Luke 12, 32. Luke 12, 32, Jesus said, read part of the Bible, Oh, shuddering, shivering, fearful little flock, don't be so timid. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Whoa! Nothing thrills Father God more than finding mature people that he can give the kingdom to. That's what he said. He said, we've been praying it for years. Our kingdom come. And he said, Revelations 1, 5 and 6. He said, unto him that loved us, washed us from our sins in his blood, and has made us what? A kingdom of priests. Yeah, he said, we're kings and priests. Revelations 1, 5 and 6. Well, that's good. Is this your backpack? Good. <laughs> you got any snacks in there or anything? <laughs> in Texas, a woman's purse fell off in, on the counter at J.C. Penney's. Fell off and hit the floor and her pistol went off. So, now, Texas, they got something, man. You, know, you better watch it. Everybody's got something on them, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I've seen some of them use them, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm telling you guys. But anyway, I want to bring Father God good pleasure, don't you? Yeah. Nothing thrills him more than finding the people he can give the kingdom to. Here's what it says. It says, come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I will be your God, and you will be my sons and daughters, declares the Lord God Almighty. Wow, come out from among who? The sinful, those that are living a wicked life. What fellowship do you have with that? You're not supposed to have any. He says, don't walk in the dark. We've got to walk in the light as he's in the light. You say, well, now, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't want to be different than the culture. You better want to be different. You're not of this culture. Colossians 1.13 says, he extracted, I'm screaming. <laughs> he extracted us out to bring us in. Colossians 3, uh, Colossians uh, 1.13. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness and death and doom and put us into the kingdom of light, love, and liberty. That's the biggest exchange you could ever marry, imagine. Aren't you glad? The devil has no more dominion over us. We've been cut free from that, that dominion of darkness. The, an angel came to my house. Now, you may not believe in angels, but that's, that's bad. You shouldn't. <laughs> You should believe in angels. They're mentioned, two, they're mentioned 273 times in the Bible. Most of us in this room would be dead or mangled if it hadn't been for an angel. Psalms 91 verse 11 says they're all around us to protect us. Psalms 104 verse 4. Psalms 100. I'm talking fast. And I only drank half of that coffee. 
Psalms 104, verse 4, says they're ministering spirits, they're flaming fires, sent down to protect us and guard us. Angels are. They're really real. I wrote a book about them. I don't have one out there, but I've got other books I'm going to talk about in just a moment. We'll have a book signing after a while. The Lord came to me and said, I want you to sign books. I said, I don't sign books. He said, you do now. <laughs> this is the absolute gospel truth. So uh, my wife was with me. I said, we're having a book signing. She said, I didn't know we signed books. I said, we do now. <laughs> and the, the first book I ever signed. So here, here we go. This is my first book signing. I'm there at the desk. Uh, a lady's standing in front of me. And so I said, what is your name? And she said, my name is Donna. I said, is that D-O-N-N-A? She said, that's correct. So I signed my name. I knew what that was. So I signed mine. So I spelled her name out, D-O-N-N-A. When my pen made the last uh, mark of A, this, this lady falls to the floor. She starts hyperventilating because I, I wrote down a scripture. After I wrote Donna, I wrote down a scripture. And I, when a scripture just went by me just like that. So I thought, I'll write that down. She sees me right there, and she falls on the floor screaming, ah, ah, that's it. That's the verse my mother used to train me. And so I give, when I sign the books, I'll give you a verse. There's some strange verses in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Here's one. You poured me out like milk, and you've curdled me like cheese. That's in the Bible. You say, what the heck does it mean? Well, it's deeper than you want to go. It, it means we started out a liquid and ended up a solid. You poured me out like milk, but you've curdled me like cheese. The next verse says, and you put bone and skin upon me. He, it means he simply gave us a body that for the same reason he gave his son a body, to make an invisible God seeable. As my father sent me, now I'm sending you. Yeah, Job 10.10, 10, that's where that's at in case you're looking. You've poured me out like milk and you've curdled me like cheese. Wow. I could come up with some others too, but you know, I'm going to teach us in a moment about some things. I'm telling you, I, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad there's churches springing in. There's places in the world that kill you for doing what we're doing tonight. I've been in places where they put you in prison for doing what we're doing tonight. I mean, just in a few, few weeks ago, where it's against the law to preach what we're preaching. But I'm telling you, we've got a great opportunity, haven't we, to win the world during these days. The whole world, they're looking for answers. Guess who's got them? Me and you! You and I, whatever the English is. I went to London, had to have an interpreter. Now, that's the honest to God truth. I went to London, England, and had to have an interpreter. I speak Tessican. Man, if you ever hear God talks, he talks just like me. No, I'll tell you how he talks. He talks just like you listen. John 10, 3 says, my sheep hear my voice, and they will follow me. John 10, 27 said, they'll flee other people's voice. I'm telling you guys, uh, nothing will amplify the voice of God like intimacy. My wife and I have been married 55 years uh, well, the next year, yeah, my wife usually jumps up and quotes, is anything too hard for the Lord? When I quote that, she'll quote Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Ah, boy, but I, I want us to have a good time. Don't come to church and not enjoy it. Listen, if you don't enjoy Jesus, heaven will be hell for you. Think about it. Trap with Jesus for eternity. You need to start loving him. Spend time with him. He wants to be your best friend. John 15, 15, he said, I don't call you a servant. I call you a friend. Isn't it good to have friends in high places? Why, well, sure. He's the highest place he can find, isn't it? You were singing it, there's no name above his name. An angel came to my house. I was going to tell you all over that. An angel came to my house and said, tell the body of Christ, they'll learn more about the ministry of the master from the study of the book of Colossians than any other book in the Bible right now. Colossians does it. It shows us. It says in Colossians, it pleased the Father that the fullness of deity would dwell in Jesus Christ bodily. 
Colossians 2, 9 says, all that God is, is in Christ. Colossians 2, 10, I dare you to believe that one, says all that Christ is, is in you. We've got to get rid of stinking thinking. We've got to find out who God says that we are. God says we're unstoppable, Romans 8, 37. God says we can't be defeated. That's what it says, Romans 8, 37. He had to come up with a whole new word, first time it's used in the Bible. We're more than conquerors. It's a Greek word called hupernike, a super overcomer. Well, my brother, I don't feel like I'm an overcomer. That's why we're in a meeting like this is to get rid of your stinking thinking. <laughs> because you've got to start thinking what God thinks. God thinks you're irresistible. Did you read the Song of Solomon? Turn your eye away. One look of your eye has ravished my heart. That's what Jesus says. Whoo! Jesus Christ walked up to me once. He said, Bobby, I want you to study the book of uh, Song of Solomon. Guess what I said? I said to him, I don't get nothing out of that book. Now, that's about as dumb as you can get. That's just about as dumb as you can get. Jesus Christ tells you to study a portion of the scripture, and you say to him, I don't get nothing out of that book. But his response stunned me. Here's what he said to me. The next statement out of the Lord's mouth was, you don't know nothing about kissing, do you, boy? So I said to him, apparently not. And Jesus Christ taught me three things out of the Song of Solomon about mouth kissing. Yes! It says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth because his mouth is altogether lovely. So if he's going to mouth kiss, you have to be really close. If you're going to mouth kiss, you have to be face to face. Mouth kissing is the most stimulating preparatory act before intimacy. Somebody's going to put their lips on you during these days. There's a strange woman in Proverbs 7 and 8. She whispers and whistles, Come on over. My husband's gone. That's the fake anointing, the fake church. It says when it's twilight, when it's hard to discern and see. Study about the woman in Proverbs 7 and 8. Somebody's going to try to put their lips on you. We better make sure it's Jesus, don't you think? You ought to study the Song of Solomon. Wow. It was so intimately written that they almost wouldn't put it in the canon of scriptures because of the verbiage. That's true. It's pretty wild, man. Uh, one, one thing that uh, is very deep right now is uh, Song of Solomon 2. It says he's going to bring the bride out from under the fig tree to the apple tree. And there it tells us where he puts his hands on us. Look out now. It's very important that you study Song of Solomon. Uh, so that's good. It's, it's a very, very uh, uh, loving book. It tells it's, What it is, it's the Lord's love for his bride. I wish we could say it's the love of the bride for the Lord. Yeah. Do you read Song of Solomon? He comes and knocks at the bedchamber door of the bride. Let me in, my love, my dove, my undefiled. That's what he says. And what does she say? Yes! She goes, oh, no. Too far from the bed to the door. I, I, I'd get my feet dirty and I've already got on my nightshirt. That's us, the church, with our feeble little excuse for not letting Jesus have all of us. Behold, he stands at the door and says, look me in, my love, my dove, my undefiled. And it says this, that he took his hand and touched the lock of the door. And when he took his hand and touched the lock of the door, he could have broken the door down. He's Lord of all. But he wants volunteer lovers. When he touched the lock of the door, it says the deepest seat of her passion explodes. She's lit into flame. She jumps out of the bed, runs to the door, and grabs the door and Swings it open and said, now her hand is dripping with myrrh. Same thing that was on him is now on her, but he's gone. And she runs out in the street screaming, have you seen him in whom my heart loves? 
And it said the watchmen of the city, those religious people we talked about, they catch a ripper veil away and a lester. Same thing that happened to you when you got spirit filled. Uh huh. Look out now. When you got on a pursuit after the Lord with all your heart. Yeah. Yeah. They grabbed her, ripped her veil away, molested her, but she wouldn't stop her pursuit. Her heart was ablaze for him. Study it, you'll find it. Some of you big old guys, get in there. I mean, listen, you want a Valentine story? That is one, man. The Song of Solomon. Whew. Well, that's not what I'm going to talk about tonight, but, uh, oh boy. Okay, there's my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm from Texas. Texans don't carry man bags. You know, I told him, uh, I was off in a uh, good gracious, where, I was in Dubai. The guy that gave me that thing, they pay him $50,000 to play one song. Look out now. So uh, he was over there in a celebration, and he's a, he, he's a world-class pianist, and he, you can name any, any uh, script or any uh, movie, and he can play the, the soundtrack of it. He's a very unique guy. So uh, I'd never seen him before. And so uh, he's up there preaching, and his bag was sitting right beside me, and the Lord said to me, I'm going to give you that bag. I said, God, I didn't want that bag. <laughs> he said, I'm going to give you that bag. I said, God, I don't want that bag. I can't run that fast. Texas, you better run pretty fast. you got a man bag. <laughs> Look out. So anyway, here's what happened. He comes down from playing the piano. And he sits down, and I hadn't said nothing to him about the bag. And I see him taking his stuff out. He's putting his stuff in a, a plastic bag. And he goes, here, I'm supposed to give you this. I go, oh, I'll take it. So, yeah. so anyway, I'm the only guy in my crowd I know that carries a man bag, but that's it. I was surprised how much stuff you can put in it. But anyway, here's, here's what I want to talk to. I want to, I want to talk to you some, a little bit about the book table, honestly, because uh, for 25 years on the Day of Atonement, we have a visitation from Jesus Christ. Now, that's a mouthful right there. I just stood here in this town this day saying, for 25 years on the Day of Atonement, I have a visitation from Jesus Christ. He'll come tell me some of the things that's going to happen in the future. I write in a book called The Shepherd's Rod. This is the one for 2020. This is, this is my 25th year to write it. Boy, this thing is really, really something. Uh, it, the Lord said to me, I want you to teach my people how to soar above the chaos and the confusion of this world. I want you to teach them how to walk on the wings of the wind. And that, that's the verse of the Bible. So the title of this is Walking on the Wings of the Wind. So I'm up there in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. I'm sitting there at my desk, and I just typed that, teach the people, teach the saints of God how to walk on the wing, wings of the wind. My son uh, works for us. He's down in uh, Texas, and he FaceTimes me. He says, Daddy, you're not going to believe this. I just typed it, put the la teach my people to walk on the wings of the wind. My son FaceTimes me and said, Daddy, you're not going to believe this. There's thousands of hawks soaring over my house, thousands of them. And so I, he FaceTimed them. I saw them. There's so many of them. The sky was dark. And they say you might see that once in your whole lifetime. But, and these people that study that thing said the hawks find the thermals and they soar. You and I need to find the thermals, the winds of the Spirit that pick us up above the chaos of this world. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as of eagles. They'll run and not be weary. And God wants us to learn to soar above the chaos and the confusion of this world. And... Uh, 
Then he told me, he said, before you teach them to soar, I want you to make sure they have a firm foundation. You get up there and soar in the heavenlies and, not, and you, you don't have a firm foundation down here, you'll embarrass yourself and the church. We need a biblical foundation to have these heavenly experiences. That's, that's exactly right. There's the verse, Psalms 104, verse 3. He, he lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariots, who walks on the wings of the wind. So you can do it, but he told me, he said, the first thing, and I'll, I'll just get over to chapter 1 just a second, and listen to what chapter 1 says. Chapter 1 says, top priority. That means number one thing to get done is help the people build on a solid scriptural foundation. And so that's what we've got to have. Jesus said, if you build on the sand, the winds will come, the rains will fall, and your house will disintegrate. But if you build on the rock, now the foundation is Jesus. He's the cornerstone. And the foundation is the Word of God. Now, I'm telling you guys, no firmer foundation can any man lay than that which is laying in Christ. So we've got to learn really how to build a solid foundation. And listen, why, why should we have a solid foundation? Here's one. Ephesians 4, 14. I'll just read it for you. You ready? Oh, the Lord came to me and said, Bobby, won't you put your books on audiobook? So I said, okay. So I was making a deal with uh, one of these, they call them ghost readers, that can actually articulate, you know, and they've got these smooth sounding voices, you know. And so I was negotiating with one of those to do the reading. God said, that's not what I told you. I told you to put your voice. I said, oh. Then I said to myself, well, how hard could that be? Oh, it is brutal. <laughs> I got in a studio. They had this big old fuzzy microphone and some screen wire in front of me, and there, so and the big old manuscript of the book, and it, it sounds like those first grade readers. See, Jane, run, run, spot. Yeah, it, it's so. I'll practice on y'all a little bit. I'm on page 58, and I'm reading the second paragraph on why we need to have a spiritual foundation so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitfulness of scheming and the scheming of people ready to do anything for their own personal profits. He said, you need to be taught so you won't be led astray by some sh shenagling. You understand that word, shenagling? It means people claim to be something that's not. And there's a lot of that going on. Many false Christs shall arise and deceive many. So we better have a firm, firm foundation, don't you think? That's Ephesians 4.14. Jesus Christ is the solid rock. You can find it over in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. If you build up on the rock, your house will stand. If you build on the sand, it'll fall. Okay, y'all understand that, don't you? What do you do? That coffee, uh, listen, <laughs> you could float a ship in that coffee. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, Take a guess. You'll get it right. Come on. <laughs> I'm retired, but I'm starting a Bible study soon. Starting a Bible study. <laughs> Is it a personal Bible study? Sheriff's uh, Bible study. Yeah. If I was you, I'd study Colossians. If you want to know more about Jesus, it's pretty wild. It really is. It tells us a whole bunch about him. It says, he is the express image of the invisible God. Amen. Now, what does invisible mean? Can't see it. You can't see God until you see him in Jesus. Amen. You can't. Amen. You ain't going to see him any other place other than Jesus. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Yep. So that'll be good. Study Colossians. It'll help you. All right. Okay. Psalms 11, verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You believe there's an assault against the Christian foundations? 
in America. Wow, I was in a city where the mayor of the city wanted to make it illegal for any pastor to stand on Sunday morning and publicly read Romans chapter 1. That's in America. Yeah. Make it against the law for any pastor to stand and read uh, Romans chapter 1 publicly. Wanted every pastor to submit their manuscript before Sunday. Now, our foundations are being destroyed, aren't they? Because the Word of God is the foundation. Anyway, get, get the shepherd's rod, and we'll, we talk about how to soar on the wings of the wind. We talk about how to build this firm foundation. We talk about mocking mouths being shut. I think the mocking mouths of the late-night comics need to be shut. Amen. I really do. I think that the modern-day media should be tried for treason, yes. how they've treated the president. I really do. Yep. I think it's disgraceful. I can show you why we're under such a curse. The Bible said if you want to live a quiet, peaceful life, pray for the person in the highest place of responsibility. You don't see that in the Bible? Yeah. Uh, it's in the Bible. And you can't say that we're living a quiet, peaceful life. What was it, 2018? 2020, we spent, what, $306 billion that year on calamities? That's almost a billion dollars a day. Now, you can't jump up and go, boy, where are you doing okay? Almost a billion dollars a day on calamities. And here's the reason why. I'll read it to you. That way you'll get mad at the Bible, not me. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going to read in the book of Timothy. You, you ready? Say yes, Bobby. Here, here we go. Oh, there we, it's going to be fun. Uh, I don't mind stirring up a hornet's nest. Oh, man. Well, anyway, I understand. Y'all understand. So uh, let me find it. I'm thumbing through here. Got my pages stuck together. Carrying it in that man bag. That, that's my problem. There we got it. I got it now. You ready? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Now, this is the, the progress and the pattern if you want to live a quiet, peaceable life. Here's what you've got to do. I'm reading out of verse 1, chapter 2. First of all, then, I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men. Verse 2. For kings and all who are in positions of authority are high responsibility, that outwardly you may pass a quiet and undisturbed life and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and what? reverence and, and seriousness in every way. For such praying is good and right, and it is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior. If you want to live a, live a quiet, peaceable life, pray for the president. Amen. Is he in the highest point of responsibility in America? He said, if you want to live a quiet, peaceable life, pray for him. You've never in your lifetime seen one man under so many word curses. No, you hadn't. And it's our place as believers to pray for him. You say, I don't agree with I don't care what you don't do. You better agree with God. And just while we're talking about this, I'm doing the talking. I don't know how any Christian could pray for somebody that wants to murder babies. That, that could uh, vote for somebody. We need to pray for him, don't we? I don't know how that anybody could vote for somebody that's going to want to murder a baby. We're supposed to take care of the helpless. You can't get any hep more helpless than a fetal. Amen. Anyway, you said, well, I don't think we ought to mix it. I do. I do. Amen. I, I believe you would have to say America's under a curse. Yeah. What curse do you think we're under, brother? Well, Isaiah 520 will start. Isaiah 520 says, woe unto the nation that finds it easy to call good evil and evil good. Yeah, that's right. I suspect we're there, don't you? Yeah, yeah don't you think? But who's, it comes back to the church. God's going to hold us responsible, not the White House, the church house. That's Psalms 115. I quoted Psalms 115, verse 14, 15, last time I was here. 
Psalms 115, verse 14 and 15. Here's what it says. May the Lord increase you more and more, you and your entire family. May you be blessed to the God that made the heavens and the earth. But I didn't quote verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16 says, The heavens of heavens, that belongs to God. But this earth is your responsibility. Wow, what happens on this planet is our responsibility. See, God is not schizophrenic with a whole bunch of plans. He's got one plan. Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our own image and let's give him kingdom control. Just to be frank, we're supposed to be running this show. We're going to have to wake up and take charge, aren't we? He said, well, I don't want to get involved. You already involved. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, now are we, I'm screaming, now are we ambassadors for Christ. Now are we ambassadors for Christ. I guess it, I've got on my patriotic socks. That must be the, you know, the some red, white, and blue socks, you know. But don't, we ought to love our nation. Hey, if you don't love our nation, there's other places you could go. You know? We need to understand this nation was founded by God on biblical principles. We've drifted so far, hadn't we? Our grandparents would have never dreamed we'd have the discussions we discuss. You know. I, I, listen, I'll be 77 my next birthday. I am baffled at the conversations you have to have now. And most of, we, most of our minds get poisoned from the media. Here's what they said. Why, well, it's certainly okay for little four- and five-year-old children to determine their gender. What? They don't even know the way the bathroom, let alone their, you understand what I'm talking about? But they're saying, the psychologists are saying, what, they're perfectly free. No, listen. Listen, we better buckle it up, hadn't we? Yeah. You say, now, Bobby, I, I, you know, I, I, no, no. The Bible said he made them male and female. Amen. I'll tell you what this transgender gender thing is. It's saying to God, you can't run your show. You made a mistake. You put a boy in a girl's body and a girl in a, you, see, it's always back to God. You're right in the middle of Daniel 7, 24 and 25. He's trying to wear out the saints of God, the devil is, by accusing God. Daniel 7, 24 and 25, he will attempt to wear out the saints of God by questioning the validity of God. See, the devil never has changed his method, not one iota. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, what did he say to Adam and Eve? Hath God said. And then the reason you can't eat of that, he's not a good God. It questions the validity of the Word of God and the validity of the love of the Father for us. I'll tell you, God loves us like no one else. Greater love hath no man than this. A man lay down his life for his friends. So that, I hope you'll get the Shepherd's Rod book. Uh, I, I've been marking on this one. Yeah. Oh, boy. There's some stuff in here, man. Let me read. I get to page uh, 95. I could practice on y'all about my, my book thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In here, I write one whole chapter on a shake-up to produce a wake-up. You know, Jerry Lee Lewis sang a song, a whole lot of shaking going on. Look out. Everything can be, will be shaking. 
Here it is, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God. For our God is a consuming fire. He said, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that the things that remain are what won't be shaken. And so I'm telling you, he's going to shake us up to wake us up. Yeah. We need to be, we need to be awake. We're, we're in perilous times. Isn't it Romans 13, 11? Why, sure it is. Romans 13, 11 says, that knowing what a critical hour this is, how that is high time now for us to wake up, rouse to reality for final deliverance is nearer to us now than when we first believed, adhered to, and received Christ the King. Wow. Rouse to reality. We need a reality check, don't we? Mm-hmm. You say, now, Bobby, I don't want to get all mixed up in that. I just want to live a few good years and go on to glory. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to my home. Listen, I'm not minimizing heaven, but if the ultimate goal of God was just to get us from earth to heaven, hey, you wouldn't need the function in fivefold. You'd need one, well, actually two ministries, evangelist and assassin. Pow! Get you saved, shoot you through the head. You're from here to there. But see, he, he leaves a functioning fivefold to mature us and grow us. Yeah, I know. That, that's vivid, isn't it? Can't you? I was telling one of my stories in uh, China, and a little a, a, a lady just fainted. I was telling him about sewing my tongue on from a football deal. I was playing football. I told you all about it, didn't I? And I tried to tackle a guy, and his, his chin hit my, but just in time, and cut my tongue off. And just like that, it felt like my whole mouth was full of jello. Friday night football in Texas, I ran to the coach, and he, I can't say we're in church exactly what he said, but like, shucks, I got to get you to the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carried me to the doctor, and this doctor, a one horse town doctor, sewed my tongue back on. When we got there, his name was Dr. Rom. When we got there, he said, I got good news and bad news. I said, I want to hear it. He said, the good news is, I can sew it back on. The bad news is, I can't deaden it. Yep. Have you ever seen the needle they sew your tongue up with? This is where the lady fainted, so if you're weak, I won't tell it. I'm going to tell it anyway. It's crooked like this, and it goes. That's when it goes up. When it goes down. And then he ties a knot. In between, I go, that's me. I'll translate. It means I'm knocked the crud out of you when I get out of this chair. Set my whole tongue back on. And then he says, I got real bad news for you now. That's me talking with my tongue stitched. What is that? And he said, it's going to hurt worse. When I take him out, I'll leave a few words out of that. I'll tell you one thing, buddy, you ain't taking him out. That's what I said. I took him out myself. This is all true. Self-medicated. That's what I, I self-medicated. Kind of like in the John Wayne movies. Self-medicated and bit the knot off and pulled them out myself. But it works. I get paid to use it. You know, that's, isn't that something? Got my tongue cut off. Well, I, I don't, let's talk about other stuff. Good Lord, how grotesque. Let's, Jesus appeared to me and he was sad, and he's not sad. 
I don't like pictures of Jesus that look like a Holocaust victim. You know that? That's not the Jesus you'll see when you step into heaven. Jesus is happy. The Bible said he's anointed with all of gladness far above all of his brothers. It does say he was acquainted with grief and sorrow, but he's happy, Psalm 16, 11. In his presence is fullness of joy. His right hand of pleasures forevermore. He's not up there going, eh. And so you won't see him sad like that, but he came and appeared to me and he was sad. And here's what he said in a melodious tone. Bobby, my people don't like to talk to me. He said, the least attended service in any church is prayer meeting. But then he said, I'm going to give you a phrase that will change that. I said, I want it. I want a phrase that will change it. He said, it will change it from a duty to a desire, from a, a drudgery to a delight. He said, you tell my people what true prayer is. I said, okay, what is it? He said, tell them it's an audience with the king. Can you imagine that the king of glory invites us anytime, place to come before him? No potentate on earth will do that. But here's, here's your great verse about it. John 16, 24. That's the red part of the Bible, John 16, 24. Jesus said, up until now, you've not asked. Ask now, and you'll receive what you're asking so that your heart will be happy. You might ask, why now? I'd suggest 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Now is an acceptable time, a time of assured welcome, a time you, God will hear you and help you, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Wow. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 is Paul quoting Isaiah 49, verse 8. Wow. You study that, it said he gives us power to restate the world from its present state of ruin. That's quite ambitious, don't you think? Amen. But anyway, prayer. John, 1 John 5, 14 said, This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask him anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we're totally confident we're going to get what we're asking. Book Hebrews says, He that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You come to God and start talking to somebody you can't see, not expecting an answer. They lock people up for that. <laughs> talking to somebody that can't see, don't they? They'll put your coat on backwards, you know, straight jacket. Yeah. Y'all have never seen a straight jacket? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I want, you, I want you to get the prayer book. The only, only thing, the disciples of Jesus Christ, they never said, teach us to preach. And Christ was the best preacher ever. They never said, teach us to do a miracle. They had one request, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what we do in here. We teach what Jesus taught about prayer. We teach about the, your prayers coming up before God as a sweet-smelling savor and God catching your prayers in a golden vase. This is what the Bible says. Then he takes your prayers, mixed with his fire off his altar, and then hurls it back to earth. In this book, I tell you what happens when your prayers mixed with the fire of God comes back to this earth. Things will happen, won't it? Lightnings and thunders, that means actions from God. Anyway, I hope, I hope you'll get the book. Uh, let's see. Here's one, Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find knock, and it will be open to you. I, here's one about prayer. It's in this book. You ready? I wouldn't believe it if it wasn't in the Bible. I, I, I'll tell it to you, okay? Here it is. Make up your mind what you want. Tell God what that is, and he'll get it for you. What? Make up your mind what you want. Tell God what that is, and he'll get it for you. You might say, where's that at in the Bible? Job twenty two twenty eight. Here's what it says, and you shall decide a thing. Make up your mind. Then you decree what you've decided, and the Lord will establish it. Same word for create, and bring it into existence. Make up your mind what you want. Tell God what that is, and he'll get it for you. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. You have them, Jesus said. Wow, he is a prayer answering God. You need to get these verses in you. I studied the mighty men and women of prayer and the statements they made. Billy Graham said, before we can get a nation back on its feet, we must first get a nation on their knees. 
I believe that, don't you? Anyway, so that's right. There's some stuff in here, boy. Ah, I, I, I like these verses about prayer, don't you? Wow, prayer, prayer. I, I got caught up into heaven, and the Lord did like this and showed me a, a little bitty woman, a little frail woman at a rocking chair with her face down in the seat of the rocking chair. And she was very frail, very old. And the Lord God of heaven said to me, Bobby, you see that woman? I said, yes. He said, that woman has more power than all the, sign, all the signed armies mingled together. One little, widow, one little woman down there on her knees praying. Prayer has power, doesn't it? Prayer can do what God can do, and God didn't do anything, can he? Isn't it Job 42, 2? Job 42, 2 says, God, anything you make up your mind to do can't be stopped. Genesis 18, 14 says, is there anything too difficult for God? Aren't you glad God's not up there going, sin? I never saw that coming. <laughs> there, that doesn't happen to God. Anyway, so we, we're going to have fun. I really mean that. We have a schedule like you can't believe. Oh, Lord. I'll give you a secret on how we do it. We do what we do through superhuman energy. What? It's in the Bible. Superhuman energy. It says, me trying to get you to the point of maturity, it wears us to a frazzle. But we do what we do with superhuman energy. That's Colossians 1, 27, 28, and 29. It uses the word superhuman. Uh, you can't keep up the pace we do. I carry these young bucks. They'll uh, Listen, they'll be going, listen, God will give you superhuman energy. He'll give you power to do things you can't do. I'm preaching one time in a place in the Coliseum with old Bob Jones, and I got to feeling athletic, good <laughs> Lord, and I ran and jumped on the chair right here, and I was still stable, so I jumped right here, and I was stable. I jumped right here, and I was stable. I jumped 18 rows out across your landing here. You can't do that. Give it a hop. See, that was supernatural. That's supernatural, isn't it? Well, sure it is. I mean, Dorothy Hamill couldn't do that, or what's that other? <laughs> Baez, or what's her name that can do? She does jumps and nobody else has done before. I'd like to see her do that. But see, I was doing it under the anointing. 18 rows landing right here on the top of the chair, right, right, right here. Just stable as, as if I'm walking. In. That's, that's odd, isn't it? I went 18 rows out there and then fell in the middle of a bunch of rich-looking black people. They go, you okay? I said, probably not. <laughs> it's true, but... I want us to learn just to kind of be loose and free with God. He, he had told me, he said, Bobby, I, I, told, I had a trance once where I was 12 to 14 feet in the air, standing on nothing, prophesying to people. So I told Rick Joyner, I said, one day I'll be 12 to 14 feet in the air, standing on nothing, prophesying to people. So I'm down in Argentina in a, baseball, in a basketball arena, and I'm preaching. And I'm preaching right here at a pulpit like this. And I was preaching about glory. And all of a sudden, I felt weightless, and I got up about this high levitating. It scared me and I grabbed the pulpit and fell down with these people for about two hours they ran forward throwing backpacks, bill folds this deep on the platform screaming, glory, adios! You know, I go, oh, well, easy for you to say. But I think, I'd have, I think I'd have went 12 or 14 feet if it hadn't startled me, you know. I was preaching about fire and it started shooting out of my mouth and they took pictures of it. What? I was preaching about glory and it started glowing just like Matthew 17. Why? See, I don't want a God that won't show up and show off. We was there at Bethel, and I said, "Why, Bill? One day there'll be a glory cloud there. They, millions of people have seen it by YouTube and all that. See, decree things and they happen. So, well, but you better say what God tells you to say. Yeah, God. Well, I've had some stupid things. People said God told me to leave her. Man, yeah. God didn't do that. That wasn't God. God didn't do that. 
Let's talk about some stuff. Y'all want to? Yes, Bobby. Here's the other book, Dread Champions. It's, it, it, they, the Lord said, I want you to study about David's mighty men. Some of the greatest champions in the Bible are women. One of my heroes in the, women, uh, in the Bible is Esther. Esther said, I'm going to do what God called me to do, even if it kills me. They doctored it up and said, if I perish, I perish. Have you got that kind of resolve? I'm going to do what God called me to do, even if it takes my life. Because Mordecai, you ought to study the book of, of Esther. It's pretty wild. If you open the book of Esther, have you done it? You open it, you're right in the middle of an eight-month party, four months into the party. And uh, a king is throwing the party named Actuarius. His palace covered nine acres. Big dude, richest potentate ever lived. He, he ruled over 127 providences. And here's what happened. You open the book of Esther, you're right in the middle of the party. They, they, now, these are lost heathen men. Let's be honest. I'll be, I'll be keen about this. But when lost men are about half tanked up, and what do they want? They want some adult entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Here's a whole palace full of tanked up lost heathens. So, the King Actuary says to his counselors, Go get my wife, Vastai. Get her in here to dance for my buddies. Look out now. This is in the Bible. So they go to get Vastai. I've always appreciated this lady. She's not a Christian. She's not a believer, but she's got morals. Because when the counselors came to get her to come back in and dance for the drunk buddies, she basically said, and I'll paraphrase, you can take this crown and shove it. That's what she does. She refuses. And he, she lost the whole being queen over that right there. She kept her integrity, but she lost the crown. Wow. Now, I appreciate Vastai, don't you? Yeah. And so the counselor said, well, we got big boys sleeping in a single bed. If it happened to him, it could happen to us. We better get him a good-looking wife. And that's how Esther got in there. They threw the big beauty pageant. What was Esther's foster father's name? Mordecai! It means small and insignificant. He was everything but that. He was pivotal on saving every Jew on earth. Mordecai. Remember? He's the one who told Esther, you're, you, you're, you're going to have to go and stand up for what I love Esther. She said, I'm in the kingdom for such a time as this. Every time I read that, that stirs me. But there's something greater than that. The kingdom's in us for such a time as this. You study, you'll study Esther. It's, it's marvelous. I'm writing the two books, Ruth and Esther. They're both champions. They really are. But there's a lot of... You need to become one of God's great, great champions. Let me, you, did you know God is a dread champion himself? Well, sure. You go, is that in the Bible? Yeah, nearly everything we say is in the Bible. You just have a hard time finding it. So I put, this, I put seven different translations of this one so you wouldn't have a problem understanding what it said. You ready? Yes, Bobby. Jeremiah 20. Verse 11, I'll read one of them. But the Lord is with you like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fall and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will be never forgotten. Then here it is again. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Ooh, I like that. And then the next one says, but the Lord is with me as a dreaded warrior. I like that one. But the Lord is with me as a fearsome warrior. See, this is talking about God being with you. Uh, here, here's another one. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Ah, see, this God we've got is fierce. Yeah. 
that so he says that he's a mighty warrior. He's a great warrior. He's a dread warrior. He's a fearsome warrior. He's a mighty, terrible warrior. He's a violent warrior, and he's a mighty soldier. The Lord's with you. I'm telling you, that's why you can't be defeated. You can't be defeated. I'm telling you, that's what it says. Romans 8, 37, yet amid all these things, we're super victorious amid all what things, anything, everything the devil can throw at you. You'll come out winner. You're the head and what? Not the tail above, only not beneath. You need to read this and read about David's mighty men. I'll tell you what, what this book does. It injects us into Jude. You ought to read the book of Jude. shouldn't take long, just one page. Hey, hey, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm having fun. What time of night is it? Let me tell you something. If I was Jude, I'd have never started my book like Jude started his. Here's how Jude starts his book. Jude, a common bond servant of Jesus Christ. I would, if I was Jude, I wouldn't have started mine like that. Here's, if I was Jude, I'd start my letter like this. Hey, you better listen to me. I got connections. <laughs> what kind of connections did Jude have? Jude and Jesus came out of the same womb. What? Jude and Jesus had the same mama. Wow, I'd have pulled that card, wouldn't you? I'd put that love slave behind me, so, you know. You better listen to it. I got, that's not how Jude did. Jude, it's a one little, one little page. Jude said, I picked up my pen to write to you concerning the common salvation. Common like Hebrews 6, rudimentary, elementary principles of Christianity. But I got possessed. I was under compulsion. I had to write to you that you would earnestly contend for the faith because certain men have crept in underwears teaching. It doesn't matter what you believe. Just, it's okay. Are we there? The hyper grace message is that. It does matter what you believe. And so anyway, Jude, Jude, Jude he tells us we've got to contend for the faith that was once and once for all given to the saints of God. The Bible said in the book of Timothy that there'll be preachers standing in pulpits teaching doctrines taught by devils. I would say ultimate reconciliation would be one of those doctrines. That means even the devil's going to be saved. The devil ain't going to get saved. <laughs> There's people teaching that. Good gracious, crazy. That's why we need a solid foundation. Well, anyway, I'll give you this one, okay? We'll sign it after a while. And so I told you about signing books. It's been pretty wild. We saw one guy had his finger cut off and God grew him a finger. Mm -hmm. One guy, 40 years stone deaf, got his hearing. They brought an old 90-something-year-old farmer. Now, I, I love this. He was a German. And they brought this 90-year-old farmer to the table, and he had fell off of a combine and did something to his back. There's two big old balls right there, and this leg was paralyzed, sticking out like that. So he, they hobble him up there, and there he is. He's old and precious. And I said to him, I said, sir, can I pray for you? And guess what he said? I'm a Lutheran. <laughs> I said to him, that won't hurt. So I prayed for him, and just a second, whoom, uh, God healed his leg. Just like that. The next night, we get to church, and that whole section is filled with his people, this Lutheran. Now, he's a greeter at that church we go to now. I'm telling you, amazing. But anyway, the, the daughter that brought him before he got healed, she's jabbering like a little chipmunk. We told daddy, daddy stay off the combine. You can't tell a 90-year-old farmer what to do. He got on the combine, missed the bottom step and fell out and messed himself up. But pretty wild. So he got healed at the book table and filled the whole section with his, his people. Isn't that amazing? When God does something good for us, we ought to shout it from the housetop. Well, he's never done nothing for me. Well, he saved you. Redeemed you. Put your name in the Lamb's book of life. 
took out a stony heart and gave you a teachable heart. Wow, every one of us that are born again have had a heart transplant. Ezekiel said, I remove. God removes a stony heart and gives us a teachable heart, a heart that's soft and pliable that can meet God's wooing ways. Aren't you glad? Why, sure. Why, sure. All right. Let's visit a minute. Y'all want to? Let's, don't, don't rush. Y'all are not in a rush, are you? No, I'm not in any hurry either. We have eternity. Eternity. Have you thought about that? Endless eons. What would we do throughout endless eons of eternity? Will we get up there and miss our phone? No. <laughs> no. Throughout the endless eons of eternity, every millimoment, every millisecond, God will be unfurling more of who he is. No wonder those angels throughout all these eons have cried, oh, holy. Yeah, we're not going to get there and go, oh, man, wish I had my Wii game or whatever they call it. <laughs> These, these smartphones are a mess, man. I used to let Siri do my typing. <laughs> I'd just dictate it and send, it, send the emails right on off and the text messages right on off. My son that works for me called me and he said, Daddy, you better check your emails. You're sending me some crazy things. <laughs> so, uh, here, so and I wasn't even reading. I, I just send them off. I mean, to important people, famous people, political people, big people. <laughs> And I just sent it. They, no telling what they thought. I bet they thought Bobby's on some mushroom or something. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, here's what happened. I, I thought, I better test this out. So Bob Jones was alive then, so I, 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 I'm texting Bob Jones through this voice thing. I said, hey, Bob, I had a very serious dream last night. I want to give you a call. This is Bobby. Bye. Here's my text message. Hey, Bob, I think I have head lice. <laughs> That's what the dude, that's what she wrote. And I, I sent stuff off, you know. Woo! Now I try to do it my own little self. Well, I am aggra- I'm a little bit jealous of these, these guys and girls and just do it like you said. I'm going, I am here, you know. And that they're doing like this. They don't have to look at you, you know. And we can't, can we? Nah. Nah, and I don't trust Siri any longer. So. It takes me a while to do my texting. But is it emojis? Is that what? I'm a, I'll send one quicker than you can think, man. You know. <laughs> yeah. Emojis. Anyway, smartphones. We ought to use them to win the whole world. That's why we, uh, a, guy, a big ministry asked me the other day, he said, uh, have you been praying over the media? I said, I have. He said, uh, what do we need to alter? I said, the millennials are not going to sit down and watch a 45-minute yak. We're going to have to break it down in small bits, but very concise and very condensed and strong if we're going to catch these millennials. They're not going to sit in front of a TV. They're going to watch a tablet or a phone. And so they, they cut their programs down from 45 minutes to 15 minutes. You, you'd be surprised what you can cram in there. Yeah. And so that's what we're doing. And that's what you need. You need something to catch them real quick, you know. And uh, I, I'm from Texas. If you're going to catch a skittish horse, you have to hide the bridle. You know what I mean? So that's what we have to sneak up on these people sometimes. Tell them something that they didn't think you knew. You know, these millennials, God, I tell you what, I've got great hope for the millennials. The Lord's visited with me over and over and over about them. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to come such an anointing on the senior saints till the millennials will beat a path to the door and sit down and drink in the volumes of knowledge that the, the senior saints have. 
the Bible said one generation will spend the rest of the time telling the next generation God's everything that he says he is. He said they'll convince them by lauding and applauding the mighty deeds of God. So get ready. The millennials are going to beat a path to the senior saint's house, even nursing homes, and sit and drink in the volumes from these senior saints. Isn't that good? Yes, it is. I told you I'll be 77 my next birthday. I preach, I preach in the largest youth conferences in the world. Isn't that crazy? Why do they want to see old people sweat? Hey, you know. No, I'll tell you what they want to know. They want reality. Amen. They want to know, is that Bible real and can I do it? Answer is yes, yes. It's real and you can do it. Anything you find in there, you can do it. Where's that at? Well, I guess maybe Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our descendants from now on. If you find it in there, it's yours. You, it belongs to you. You can take ownership of it. I like the guy in the white sweater. What's your name? Dwight. What? Dwight. Dwight. What do you do, Dwight? Anything you want to? Well, I, uh, <laughs> I've been retired 32 years. What did you quit from? Tell me about it. Pardon? What did you retire from? Uh, Firestone. Uh, Firestone Tires? Mm -hmm. All right, that's good. I bought a set of tires one time, and the tire salesman said, you need to buy a road hazard thing. I said, oh, no. On the way home, I ran a bolt through my tire. But he was, he was kind to me. I drove back with a bolt through my tire, and he said, I told you you should have bought, uh, what do you call it, uh, road hazard. But he, he, he took it off and gave me a new Probably one. After I retired, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, why have I been so blessed? Because I was so busy. I didn't give you the time and the service mm -hmm. that most people would have thought you get. And as I kept reading the Bible over and over, I realized that kindness and living the way Jesus taught you to live was yeah. the reason without providing the service. Isn't he wonderful? Now, here's your verse if you want to. If you think, well, I should have and could have, but I didn't. Psalms 92.10 said, you'll be full of sap in your old age, stable and fruitful. That's what it says, Psalms 92.10 through 16. Full of sap in your old age. She goes, look out now. Full of sap in your old age. Firm and stable, bearing fruit. And you remember I just said, the, the senior, these senior saints are going to get such an anointing. These millennials, these young guys and gals, they'll beat a path to sit down and listen to the wisdom. See, you can't walk with God all those years and not have wisdom. And they want it. They really do. So God bless you. That's good. He's a, don't, don't you see? I'd like to just give him a hug. If I, yeah, I'll give you a hug. On, get, come to the book table. I'll give you a book. Okay? I'm serious. Uh, that's right. Now, I'll tell you what. You've got some stuff to pass on to others, too. All right? Yeah, well, you go, ah, you don't know. I know more than most people know when I stand in front of them. Did you know that? I can look at you and tell more about you than you know about yourself. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to make crooked ways straight. You want it? Uh, say you've tried it, but it wouldn't, you know, the harder you try, the crookeder you got. But he's going to lower the mountains, fill in the valleys, and make crooked ways straight. Okay? That'll be good. You can go faster on the straight road than the crooked one. <laughs> and we've got to redeem the time. We've got to make full use of the moment. And so that's in the Bible. It's Isaiah 43 through 5. Okay? He lowers the mountains, he fills in the valleys, he picks up the stumbling stones, he makes crooked ways straight. The way to my house up in the mountains from the flat straight road to my house is 56 major curves. So I know about navigating the curves, but it's going to make straighten out some things for you, okay? Because you've said, God, I want to get where I need to go in the spirit realm quicker, okay? And you're at a, a, a crossroads, but it's, you don't have to go left or right, you're going up, okay? 
Okay, you're at the crossroads, and instead of turning right or left, you're going to turn up. Things are going to turn up for you, okay? Now, you say, well, I hope so. It will. The Lord says, trust the Lord. You'll be established. Believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. What year is this? 20 what? 2020. Why, that's Second Chronicles 2020. Trust the Lord. You'll be established. Believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. So he's going to straighten things out for y'all, and it'll be wonderful. Okay? And you'll redeem the time, make full use of every moment. So that'll be good. All right. Now, sometimes I'll see if, if, if God's going to give you a raise. I'm, I'm serious. One thing we need to do, I can see favor when it comes over people. I can see if, if somebody's prayed for me and their life has been spared. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, wow. I'm telling you, God's a good God. And he knows more about, he knows everything about us and still loves us. Your friends won't. They find some dirt, they'll distance themselves. But God sees you struggling. He draws near, doesn't he? That's right. What kind of thing is this? I don't know. It looks sort of like a labradoodle. <laughs> it's, it, it's a, I, I don't know, but a, you, you know, they're beautiful dogs, labradoodles. Y'all, you have a dog? Oh, man. I used to have them, but I don't, I'm too busy now to have a dog. It would be, God bless you. Here's what he said, okay? He said, you can if you want to. That's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with power. So you can if you want to. You can be dormant if, you, if that's what you want and useless and sucking life out of, or you can be fruitful. You can do things for God. Philippians 4.13. Start memorizing that. You ought to put it on your mirror. And look at it and say to yourself, I can do all things. Because the devil's always saying you can't. But he's lying to you. Every time the devil speaks, he speaks a lie. What's the opposite of a lie? Truth. So if he says you're weak and worthless, you're powerful and valuable. Okay? Say it, I can. That's right. That's can. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with inner strength. I am capable and ready for anything that comes my way. Read it out of the Amplified Classic. That's, that'll, that'll help you. What do you do? In sales, what do you sell? I'm an industrial distributor. What? Yeah, I'm still learning too. Industrial distribution. I don't even know what that is. Uh, you, there'll be 12 barrels here Monday. That's it. That could be one. See, that's yeah, probably what it is. You know. Industrial, uh, I don't know what it means, but I want to write something in your book, okay? That'll be good. <laughs> you ready? I promise you this, this will give you guidance the rest of your life. Okay. Okay. I promise you it'll give you direction for the whole rest of your life. That'll be good. People pay a lot of money to get that. Yeah. Don't you want direction? Yes. Nehemiah 9.20 said, He gave His good spirit to instruct us. And did not withhold his manna from our mouth. So the Holy Spirit's good. Number two, he instructs us. The, Greek, the Hebrew word instruct there is a big word. It means like a, a mama teaching her child to toddle. Or a general teaches armies to march. So the Holy Spirit can guide you in any segment of your life. Say it, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. 9.20. He gave his good spirit to instruct us, the people of God. And did not withhold his manna from our mouth. Manna, I, every time I read that manna, I think of Revelations 2.17. To him that overcomes, I will grant to eat the hidden manna. 
If you get to eat the hidden manna, he'll give you a white stone. On the white stone, there's a name written no other human being knows. What's on the white stone? Your new name. Who you really are. That's Revelation 2.17. Okay? I ought to give you a bear hug. <laughs> I used to do cage fighting before, you know, before it was cage fighting. We didn't have rules. They got rules there. You can't gouge your eyes. We could, you could gouge your eyes. One, one of my friends got his ear bit off, and this is way before Mike Tyson and those guys. Yeah. Can you imagine that? These were friends cage fighting. Yeah. It's crazy. I would, you know, we'd sit there and hit one another in the head to see who could stay up the longest. Now, that ain't sane, is it? It'll give you a dental bill. I know that. But anyway... Have you ever traded licks in the head to see who could stand up? No. No. It's, 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 it's not a wise thing to do. Can you imagine that? We had a gang, well, we had a gang called the Red Rats. That's true. I grew up really rough. I told you this. Me and my brother used to sit in the backyard and shoot cigarettes out of one another's mouth with a twenty-two rifle. My mom would come to the door and go, hey, y'all quit wasting those shells. They cost money. Didn't say a thing about shooting Glenn in the temple or Bobby in the nose, you know. We grew up rough, honestly. My dad was dead. He died in a mental institution from a venereal disease. And there's a high cost for low living. Don't you get that? Slept around with strange women, got a very venereal disease. Died when he was 37 years old. Left a wife and uh, one little crippled boy and uh, my sister and me. I was the baby. They got a picture of me on the porch and a cloud's by me. I'm, I'm so little I'm in a dress. Yeah, but see, my first experience with Jesus was in my mother's womb. She stuck a coat hanger in and tried to pull me out. Look out now. That's all true. Don't lie in church. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, retail. Retail? Retail what? Uh, clothes. Huh? Re clothes? Yeah. They, I don't know why they don't make fat boy shirts that look good. <laughs> I, I'm, listen, mine looks like the covering for a Volkswagen. We need to get a, I'm going to get a hold of a shirt manufacturer. All these chisel-chested guys, they got them nice-looking shirts, you know. Us fat boys look like, you know, we could be due any moment, you know. I want a shirt maker for fat guys, you know. They got that, you tuck it, yeah, or untuck it, whatever it is. It, it comes up here, it's a midriff for me, you know. It's crazy. My wife says, quit talking like that. But, you know, I had this and made, you know. I went into China once, and they had a price for making suits. And I walk in, they go, no price, king size, you know. <laughs> they're saying, you're not getting this special. You're too big, you know. Yeah, they're all small, you know, little, most of them. Yeah. I walked in, they thought, sumu, you know. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's just me. But I, I want you to start enjoying yourself. Yourself. Most people don't like themselves. They want to be somewhere, somebody else. If I look like that, if I talk, be you. Amen. There's only one of you. 7.6 billion on this planet and not a one like you. Ephesians 2.10 says you're one of a million. Ephesians 2.10 says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God before ordained that you conduct yourself in them. That verse just simply says God made things for you to do before you were you. Wow. I studied that in every English translation of the Bible I could find Ephesians 2.10. One says, you are his stroke of genius to displace God's deeds. 
One translation says, you're the best God could do to display who he is. So when the devil goes, who do you think you are? I go, I'm the best God could do. That would baffle him, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's true. Well, that's all right. Good. All right, let's walk around here and get the, these guys back here in the back seats, see how they're doing. How are you doing? What's your name? Grant. What? Grant. Grant? All right. What are you going to do with your life? you know yet? Do you want to know? I'll tell you, I'll give you a verse. If you'll do this and everything else will fall right in place. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will find its proper place. But if you put that second and last, it won't work at all. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom, and all these other things shall be added to you. Everything you need fall right in place. Okay? How do you do that? You have to start. If you hit a baseball, you can't go to second without first going to first. You know what I mean? So the first thing you do is you give your heart to Jesus. And that's easy. You just believe in your heart that he's who he says he is and confess him with your mouth and invite him in. He'll, he'll come. He'll write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's pretty easy. Now, getting saved is easy. Living saved is pretty tough. Okay? But he'll give you power to do it. So what do you do? Just hang around. I'm unemployed right now. Unemployed. Now, I can pray and God will give you a job. Okay. What kind of job do you want? Look at that now. Remember that? I told that lady, make up your mind what you want. Tell God what that is. He'll get it for you. I want to be a gunsmith. A gunsmith? I collect, me and my sons collect guns, but we live in Texas. <laughs> they, you, before all this trouble, they could make, a, make them fully automatic, but ammo costs nothing then. <laughs> 32 <laughs> shots. <laughs> now you can buy a car for a box of ammo nearly, you know. But anyway, so a gunsmith. Isn't that something? I like guns, yeah, we, but we hunt and all that kind of stuff. So God could make you a gunsmith. He did John Browning, the you know, little Browning shotgun people. I'll collect A5s, you know. Anyway, well, I'm, I'll pray for you and ask God to give you a job that you'll know it's him, okay? Lord, I pray for this young man that you'll give him a job and he'll recognize and realize it's you and he'll realize every good and perfect gift comes from you and he'll surrender his total life to you. In Jesus' name. That'll be good. Now, I really mean that. Getting saved's easy. It says, all to come to him, he'll in no wise cast away. And it says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no hoops to jump through. That's it. That's it. You know, The church has added a lot. You walk down the aisle, shake the preacher's hand, fill out a card. That ain't in the Bible. <laughs> you confess him and, and confess him before men. That's, you need to do that. That's kind of concrete in the thing. You pour concrete, don't mix it with water, it won't last. Okay? So, all right. How old are you? 24. 24. I got a grandson your age. Good Lord, he's a pipeline welder. Wild in a tree full of monkeys, you know. But <laughs> he's something. He drove in in a, a $100,000 truck and a $100,000 trailer, 19 years old. I said, Brandon, what banker loading to that? Somebody needs to talk to, don't they think? 19-year-old pipeline welder. Isn't that something? But he does good, makes tons of money. Uh-huh. What's up? I'll tell you what God wants to give you. You want it? Okay. Money can't buy it, but you're going to get the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Okay? Won't that be good? You're going to have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Okay? That's good. How do you get it? You, it's Philippians 4, 6 through 8. You maintain an attitude of gratitude, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep you. Is peace valuable? Romans 16, 20 said, 
The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Wow. Romans 16, 20. Peace. How did he get it? Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. The devil knows that verse. So what's he going to do? He's going to be busy distracting you from your focus. And cause you to look at the calamity. Jesus said, men's hearts failing them for the things they see coming upon the earth. If you look out, you'll have anxiety. You look up, you'll have peace. That's what it says. Isn't it good? You'll keep us in perfect peace. I, don't you like perfect? We've got to get out of here. It's getting late. Well, it's not even midnight yet. But I've got some barbecue back at the hotel, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They asked me, they said, do you want to carry some home with you? I said, no. And then I thought, what was I thinking? <laughs> I'll get so hungry I'd be eating this pillowcase or something. You know. Don't I look like I'm hungry and I missed a meal? <laughs> oh, no. My grandmother used to make real, they had real milk back then. And every day after school, I was, when I was little, I'd go up to my grandmother's house and she'd make me a tea cookie, a cake about like that, smaller than a hubcap. But it was it had lard and you know, and then she would have real milk that you got out of a cow, you know. Now that stuff you can read the paper through it. It's we poured that out to the cat, you know. But every day I'd go up there. And my grandmother, she was never too busy. She would sit down and talk to me and go, "Well, boy, how was your school today? You could lie. I could lie to anybody, but Granny. You can't lie to Granny. <laughs> granny was old the day I saw her, and old the day she died." She just stayed, stayed old. Yeah, that's true. You could not, you couldn't lie. Granny was, uh, she was brilliant and didn't, you know, she just knew people, you know what I mean. But we had a good time with Granny. I killed a chicken. I told y'all about that, didn't I? Yeah, I'd been, you know, I'd been watching these Australian movies. In Texas, we didn't have a boomerang, but we had corn cobs. My grandmother feed the chickens with corn cobs. Here, chick, 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 chick. Just junk the corn off there, and then she'd put the corn cobs in a, a bucket full of kerosene and soak them to start the fire with. Have you ever picked up a soaked corn cob? And the chickens run free then, range-free chickens. They're just, they're squawking targets. They're, and so I, they're running across the yard. And so I got this corn cob, and you could chunk it like a, like a boomerang. So here comes the chicken running fools this and I and they was a connection. <laughs> Cob and head clang, knocked this chicken down and out. I thought, oh my God, I've killed Granny's chicken. But you know, we do like Moses. We try to cover up the evidence. They want to kill the Egyptian. So I carried the dead chicken up to the fence row. If you don't know what that is, that's where there's some trees, and I kicked up a shallow grave. And I dropped the chicken in and covered it up. Now, we've got all kind of home security now. we got things that take a picture of who's at your door. Granny didn't need that. She had a screen door that goes. <laughs> that's Granny's screen door. So that's me coming through the kitchen screen door. Granny was always over there washing something at the sink. And I go, and here I come. And I think I'll slip by her. And she said, where you been, boy? And she just looked at me with the prettiest little eyes. Where you been, boy? You, you can't lie to Granny. I just ratted myself out. Granny, I killed the chicken. <laughs> just ratted myself out. Granny didn't fall in the floor and take a valium. 
She said dry in her hands, don't worry, boy. We'll go and get it for supper. Me and Granny go up there to retrieve the foul carcass. We get there, and there'd been a resurrection. He's up, but he ain't to himself, the chicken. That was the craziest thing, boy. Anyway, my grandmother's been dead a long, long time. I've never forgot that day. Oh, man. We finally caught the bird. Then they made a chicken pie or whatever you out of the thing. There's a lot of stories about Granny and Paul. They were sensible people, you know. They had common sense. My grandfather, he didn't have a college degree. He plowed a mule called Shorty. Yeah, yeah. I could tell you stories. I grew up simple like that. Yeah. We had a well. Y'all know what a well is? Sometimes the water would get to tasting a little funny. You'd go look and there'd be a dead possum in there. Blow that. In the well water! So I was the skinniest one in the family. They'd send me down the bucket to get the dead possum. See, and we drink that water. That's, that's not, you know, that's where you get disease and stuff. But we didn't. Just, uh, listen, I grew up, I don't know, just kind of carefree, you know, honestly. Then I grew up with no restraints on us, listen. But I found out the police bury the sword not in vain, you know. They're not a terror to the lawdoers, but a terror to the law lawless. They knocked a hole in my head. They used to lock me up. The preacher, the, the, the judge that used to lock me up all the time bought me my first preaching suit. Yes, he did. Judge Winston Reagan, he came to me later, said, you know why I did that? I said, no, sir. He said, now, I'm a Methodist, and Methodists don't talk like that. He said, a voice came to me and told him to buy me the preaching suit. Yeah, when I first started preaching, the first few rows would be policemen. This is all true. I grew up just kind of, I don't know, just, I'm still growing up. <laughs> really. I, I do entertain myself. You know, they, Ed Sullivan, y'all remember the Ed Sullivan show? That guy used to paint, thing, he paint. So every once in a while I talk to myself, I go, he's doing good. It's okay. You say, well, good Lord. No, the Lord told me, he said, you amuse me, boy. That's what he told me. I want you to get to know Jesus. He's come to my house and knocked on the door. What? Jesus Christ came and knocked on the door. I opened the door. There stood Jesus with a bottle like a champagne bottle, but it wasn't. And said, we're going to have a christening service, but you don't know anything about christening. Came and knocked, a, hit the wall like that in this cabin. No human being had ever been in it. Spent the night in that cabin, the oil's running down the wall, and I thought, what am I going to do and tell the man that built the cabin the first night? Is, and I thought it, and Jesus rebuked me. He said, you never, have to, you never have to apologize or attempt to explain what I do. Look, and it turned into a map of the world, like a war map, and he'd touch a place and say, you have to target what I target, or you'll become a target. So that's the way it goes. We've got to get out of here. I want to pray for you all. Muchos gracias. So we're going to get your place. Is that tomorrow? Tomorrow night, that'll be good. We'll be here tomorrow. I will still be here tomorrow if I don't hush. Yes. What you find to do, do quickly. That's what the Bible says, brother. I like this guy right here. What do you do? Got the beard and look like a... Landscaping. What? Landscaping. Landscaping. 
Oh, I could have used you. We bought land 10 acres up in the mountains. Oh, Lord, it was rough. Lowe's put a sale on, Lowe's hardware, they, they put their garden part. And my wife went and bought two truckloads of dead bushes. Don't buy brown bushes! Okay. Anyway, but then there's a dairy farmer there that used to wash the cow poop off from the cows. And the Lord told him, you're wasting a fortune. And he goes, what do you mean I'm wasting a fortune? He said, I want you to mix that cow poop with uh, peat moss. And now he sells it for about $15 to $20 a bag. Daddy Pete's the name of it. And he's a friend of my wife's and my wife. And guess what? He gave her truckloads of it's cow poop saturated in uh, peat moss. So I come in from one of the trips, and my wife has got, I'm, I'm serious now, maybe a hundred bushes planted. She got the Morning Star students to come up and dig the holes, and they filled up the holes with Daddy Pete. And we get on the mountain, and I go, I own the car door, and I go, I thought, oh, Lord, demons. <laughs> it wasn't demons. It was a whole truckload of Daddy Pete. Cow poop with a peat moss. But it worked out good. Landscapers came and they thought, you did a marvelous job. I didn't do nothing but fuss about my truck, you know. So what kind of landscaping do you do? Dud. We had to terrace the land because it was a mountain, you know, and then they had to put hedges to keep the water from washing the mountain off. And it was quite a deal. We, all I did was just come in and go, are you sure that's planted? The right? I planted one bush and they think it was the wrong place. That's the honest to God truth. They said it's supposed to be a dwarf. It's about 40 feet high right now. The dwarf. Some cedar thing. I thought I was going to plant, you know, uh, and it's, uh, it was supposed to have been a dwarf. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, it's, it's as tall as that light. My son came with a chainsaw where it would quit dragging through the car when he drove back. But anyway, God bless you. I think you're going to end up an evangelist, just to be quite honest with you. I think the Lord's talked to you over and over, and you say, I don't know enough yet. That excuse won't work anymore. Okay? He said yeah, that Moses tried. He said, I can't, I can't talk, remember? But God's going to take away all of your excuses, and you're going to find it very easy to win people. And they'll come up and ask you, and it'll come out of your mouth. You'll be ready to give an answer to every person that asks you the hope that's within you. That's been your call, and you don't have to put, I am an evangelist. They'll come to you, okay? So that'll be good. What's your first name? What? Thad? Good. I ought to give you a book. Would you read one if I gave it to you? Why, sure you would. Here. There we go. See there? Okay. Well, we've got anything else? Okay. Oh, y'all ought to pray for us. we got a schedule like you can't imagine. Good, Lord. All over the... I'll be in New Jersey the end of the, in a week or so in uh, uh, New Jersey. How do you talk? Say something. New York. I know. Yeah. See, I get up there and they go, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> I was in Canada once. The Lord said, go to the big, that big mall in Edmonton. And the Lord said, before you leave, I want you to get a watch. I said, God, I got plenty of watches. He said, before you leave, I want you to get a watch. So I go to this big mall and I'm looking there. They had a, a $29.19 root watch. They're real cheap. And so I said to the lady, I said, ma'am, I'd like to look at that watch. And so she gets the watch up and uh, sets it in front of me. We're in a mall in Edmonton, Alberta. And she says, you're not from around here, are you? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm just passing through. When I did like this, the Holy Ghost knocked her out. 
She falls on the floor, drunk as she could be. Ha, ha, ha. And so her associate jumps out of the office and runs out there, and she's rolling the floor drunk in the Holy Ghost. He goes, he's not from around here. He's passing through. The guy said, passing through? I said, yes. Down, he's down. <laughs> so help me God. Before this thing's over, there's eight or nine store employees rolling in the floor drunk. I could have got the watch for nothing, but here's the deal. It's quite loud, and I turn around, I bet you there's 80 people like this. I walked through and they parted like the Red Sea, like, like you had a, like you had a, you know. They, they thought, oh, I'm getting out of here. But I like the anointing where you can't turn it off. Now, this sounds egotistic, but I used to have to preach with my hands in my pocket because anywhere in my hand went, it knocked the whole section down. It's true. It's true. So sometimes I've walked into places and people just fall out. Grocery stores. It, okay. If you can turn it off, I don't think it's God. You know what I mean? Yeah, just pretty wild. I told you about the time I got to eat and join at 2 a.m. in the morning. and We'd had a service in Louisiana. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost was wild. And me and our team was there trying to eat a scrambled egg and some toast. Two in the morning and all eating, and I'd eat and join Louisiana. And the Lord spoke to me and said, hey, Bobby, wasn't that a wonderful service tonight? I said, yes, Lord. He said, that was really me. I said, yes. He said, you know, I can do it here. 2 a.m. in an all-night diner in Shreveport, Louisiana. I got a funny feeling. <laughs> I said, what do you want me to do, Lord? And there's a group of people over there, about, I don't know, six or seven people in a booth. And he said, I want you to get up and release it on them. So I said to the Lord, I don't think they were in the meeting. He said, that's not what we're talking about. So Shreveport, Louisiana, 2 in the morning, I, I stand up and I say to this whole booth of people I've never seen in my whole life, hey, stand up. They just all stood up. <laughs> so I go, here, take this. Now do like that. And the Holy Ghost goes over there and knocks every one of them down. Down in the floor, rolled out. I thought, oh, Lord. So I go over there and I'm standing there looking at them. They're just like the people at church. They're down in the Holy Ghost. They're laughing and they're just, and the little waitress comes running up and she screams, What's going on? I said, I prayed for him. She said, I wish you'd have told me. I've already called the police. <laughs> this is true. 2 a.m., Shreveport, Louisiana. Here comes the boys in blue. I'm the only guy standing. My other team are over there gobbling in their scramble egg. And so the cops said, what's going on here? I said, I prayed for him. He said, you did What? I said, I prayed for him. He couldn't, he, I, I, he, he just, what? I said, do you mean to do it for you? And he goes, no. You know, but it's okay. That's true. Isn't that cool? See, you can have a good time wherever you're at. We've seen dead people raised on the airplane. Yeah. You know, you know, God still does that stuff. The Bible said, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, day and forever. That's right. Yeah. Uh, what you mean? Josh. Hey, Josh, God bless you. I'm, like, I'm still, I still like that heritage. I went down there into a Cuban church in Miami. You have never seen so many man buns in your life. Most beautiful hair you've ever seen. Raven dark hair, and they would cut designs in it. And they all had a man bun sticking out the back. And handsome Cuban men, and I said, you know, God might want you to rotate that bun to the front. <laughs> you know, 
and I read that verse where it says, he's exalted my horn like the horn of a unicorn. You know? so, so you already seen those guys letting their hair down trying to... Yeah. yeah, but it was fun. They had beautiful hair. I mean, and they cut designs. I mean, like beautiful stuff in there. Oh, my Lord, let's pray. Y'all want to? Let's pray. Anybody here sick enough to get prayer? You're sick enough to get prayer? Come here. Anybody here sick enough to get prayer? Come on. We're going to pray for you. The Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will get the job done. What's wrong with you? My back is screwed up. Yeah, okay. What happened? Do you know? Uh, just a period of time, probably sports. Okay. You remember um, the old man we talked about? Had His back was all out because yep. he fell out of the combine. The same Jesus that touched him will touch you. Okay. What's your name? Tim. Tim? Okay. How old are you, Tim? 31. 31? Yeah. You don't look 31. I don't look 76. Yeah. I'm going to be preaching when I'm 120 years old. Mark that down. I am. Okay, so here we go. Lord Jesus, here's Tim. Thank you for Tim. I pray right now that you'd set his back perfect in order, that all the pain would leave and he'd be pain-free. And Lord, I thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Take away the pain, any kind of strain, anything that's out of order, put it in order now. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. All right, good. So you're sick. I got a skin cancer on a the skin back of cancer. my right leg. Ag, I don't want that. Let's curse it like he did the fig tree. Remember, he walked by a fig tree looking for fruit and found right. foliage, and he cursed it. And the next day, they go by it, and what had happened? It had swiveled up. Lord Jesus, we curse this skin cancer just like you curse the fig tree. We command it to swivel up, dissipate, disappear, and get off of his body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here, catch this. You want to? What's wrong with you? I have uh, blood leaking in my eye. I'm kind of blind in that eye. I got a big black spot. Inside. That won't work, will it? No. Yeah. yeah. I've had some black eyes with blood in the eye. Listen. Remember in the Bible, Jesus prayed for him. He said, what do you see? He said, I see men walking like trees. He said, that's good, but it's not good enough. Okay? Lord Jesus, you healed the blind. You caused them to see. Blind Bartimaeus could, could, stood right in front of you, and you said, what do you want me to do? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. So he received his sight. Give this man his sight. May he be perfectly healed with his vision in Jesus' name. Amen. Blind Bartimaeus, isn't that something? What's wrong with you? Um, carpal tunnel, my thumb joint's shot in um, double vision, cataracts. All right, Lord Jesus, you're the healer. Thank you. I pray that you would release healing for this sister now from the top of her head down through the sole of her feet. What's wrong with you? My neck. That neck. Yes, sir. A lady walked up to me in Houston, Texas and said, Oh, God's healed my neck. And I'd seen R.W. Shambach do this. Then God got me out of this. I grabbed a woman by the neck, and I spun her head around, spun her around. I wallowed it like a chicken. I'd seen R.W. Shambach do it. So she falls in the floor, and I get her up and said, Honey, what was wrong with your neck? She said, It's broken in four places. I wouldn't have twisted. I twisted her neck like you're, you know, ringing a. So you got neck trouble? Yes, sir. Well, Lord Jesus, you're the healer. I pray you'll, <laughs> I pray you'll heal his neck for your glory. I pray you'll heal every vertebra, anything that's out of whack. Make him well, Lord. Lord, we thank you. That's in the Bible. He's, yeah. God bless you. Lord, I pray for healing from the top of his head down through the soles of his feet. Like your word says, make them ever withhold. Totally well. Totally well, Lord Jesus. Ha. My, my, I have a hernia again. Okay. And my hip. Your hip. God bless you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your wonderful grace. You're a good, good God. 
I pray for the spirit of the living God just to come and him totally well. Here, catch this. You know what that does? It stops every voice that's speaking with his. Isn't that so here? Lord, I thank you. Wow. That's in the Bible. He breathed upon him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Looky here. Okay. What's wrong with you? Severe depression and anxiety. See, God don't want you to have that. Remember, I told you, if we'll keep our focus on him, you'll have perfect peace. Okay, how do you do it? You just, you, the best way to do it is to get in the quietest room of your house and shut the door, Matthew 6, 6, and just listen to him. Listen to what he has to say about you, okay? okay. Lord, I want to thank you that you want us to have a happy heart. And I pray for this dear sister now. I bind depression and despondency and despair. I release for her right now uh, Hebrews 13, 20. And Lord, I release for her Hebrews 13, 10. Don't fling away your confidence, your steadfast hope in God, because your steadfast hope in God brings with it a great recompense of reward. We restore hope to her now in Jesus' name. The devil's doing everything he can to steal our hope, okay? But uh, he, he can't do it. All right. Uh, Broken collarbone. Broken collarbone. What, <laughs> what happened? What? Car accident. Car. Good Lord. Lord, you said you, you, you heal broken bones. You cause crippled people to walk. Blind people to see. There's a 40-year-old paraplegic never took a step. And you, Peter walked by and said, such as I have, give out thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, heal this collarbone. May the bone heal perfectly and may be no residual pain. In Jesus' name. Good. Can you believe that? A 40-year paraplegic. Come on. We'll get over here and it won't, won't rattle so much. What's your name? Chris. That's right. You know what it means? Anointed. Yes, sir. Chris. That means Chris. It, may, it means anointed. So live up to it. Yes, sir. That's good. What's wrong with you? My wife and I want children. You want children? Well, we can break barrenness. Your wife want children? Yeah. Now, we can break barrenness off of any human being. we got a stack of lists where that's happened. When the doctor said there's no way, that's what they said about Abraham and Sarah. God always makes a way. So I can break barrenness off. Okay? How many Amen. children do you want? Two. Two? Father, you said, you said that we, we can multiply and replenish everything. And I pray right now that you'll give this man his heart's desire. You said when a person's ways please you, you'll give them the desires of the heart. So, Lord, give them children out of their own body. In Jesus' name, amen. That's good. I've had people say, well, he must have meant that we'd adopt and they'd go to adopt and then they'd end up and had two of themselves. So what's wrong with you? I'm cutting out pain medicine on, for my back. Yeah. Well, don't get hooked on that mess. You know, that's a bad... I was up here one time. We cursed the opioid thing. We need that. We need it eradicated. Isn't that something? That's something. I'm not hooked on it. It's just, um, just to take care of pain. And I just need to be healed for protection. Yeah, he, he wants us pain-free. Lord, you really want us pain-free. Touch this man now. I pray you'll touch his body. Anything that's out of place, put it in place. And Lord, make his body pain-free so he'll know what it feels like to be absolutely free of any kind of tormenting pain in Jesus' name. Good. Come on this way. Y'all want to? See, there's people here who need prayer. Y'all got a prayer team? Well, let's get them up here and we'll, we'll get them to pray too. That'll be good. What's wrong with you? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll touch him from the top of his head all the way down to the soles of his feet. Make him ever withhold totally well. Say it, totally well. Totally well. Lord, I agree with him. Totally well. Totally well to run and leap and be pain-free. I bind any kind of arthritic problem in Jesus' name. And I think he's, I think one hip is higher than the other one. So, Lord, balance out his skeletal uh, body in Jesus' name. 
Okay, that'll be good. Get everything in balance. Yeah. Uh, Rod was up in the in the building when Mr. Van Ostrom's back got healed. The doctor came up and he said, Preacher, my back's out. I said, yeah, one leg shorter than the other. He said, I was born that way. I said, sit down here, God will grow it out. And he did. Back to Betty's anniversary. What? Back to Betty's anniversary. Well, my, my, my shoes are anniversary. I don't know what she's saying, but uh, I know that my Jesus, eyes. your eyes. Yeah. Well, good. God wants you to see. Okay. He said, blessed are your eyes for they see. Matthew 13, 16. Lord, I, re I just say, blessed are her eyes for they see. Here, catch this. You ready? See? Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Breathe him in. See, we think he's a trillion miles off. You know how close he is? Your skin. That's how close Jesus is. He's in us. Isn't that something? We think he's a trillion miles off, but he's not. He said, what? Don't you know your body is a temple? Lord, I thank you. Our body's a temple. What's a, what's a temple? It's a house for God. What you doing? I got a pinched nerve in my right a eye. A pinched nerve in your right eye. Mm -hmm. What's your name? Karen. Karen? Mm -hmm. Lord, heal her for your sake, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank, thank you. you Good. I think it'll quit twitching around, okay? And be firm, your eyes. Good. See, now that's good. You, you gals are on the prayer team. Good. Y'all jump on somebody and pray for them. That'll be good. Don't you think? I'm fixing to go out to the book table, and uh, I'll see some of them out there.